and experience. But uh, I was reminded of something about the human heart. And that is, is that when you, you go to these theme parks, the reason these theme parks uh, attract people is because we love the thrill. Right? We love the adventure. Or we like getting on these rides. Uh, like if, if you go to Six Flags Fiesta Texas, I'm sure some of you have been there, and you, you have these rides that are there, uh, like the Iron Rattler, and, and Batman, and Superman, and Wonder Woman. We see a theme here, right? Uh, and and we, we, we like these rides, and they're a lot of fun. And, and you know, what's, what's um, interesting is my family, we really, and I say my kids, uh, we, have, we have six kids. Our oldest is 17, our youngest is five. And at being a large family, we just don't go to theme parks hardly ever. In fact, we, we really hadn't gone until about two years ago. We decided to go for the first time uh, with uh, some family to Six Flags and because uh, somebody else was helping pay for that. It was awesome. And uh, I was like, hey, we're in. This, we're, we're in. You're paying. We're good. We're, we're in. Um, but my kids thought it was great. And th- the thing about it was when we went the first time, I mean, they were so uh, excited and, and their anticipation was about to kill them just to even get there. And then when we got there, uh, they, they had to, you know, to rush, rush, rush because they wanted to get every bit of the experience in, right? We had to get on every ride possible. And so we like go from one ride, we've got to get this ride. And then like literally think, well, what are we going to do next? And there's anticipation, there's excitement. Well, last night we went, and what I didn't tell you is that uh, we made a very, very smart decision this year to simplify our Christmas in our house. Um, two of our kids, so our older kids, uh, they said, hey, mom and dad, for our birthdays, we have a November, December birthday, they said, you know, we'd really like to go to Six Flags for our birthday. Well, it just so happens that that's the time of year when Six Flags puts on, this sounds like a Six Flags sermon here, uh, put, they put on their, their, uh, their sell for their, their tickets, and, and everything goes down to like this reduced cost. So I jump online to just get one-day passes, and when I find out that literally you can buy for the same day as one day, you can buy a whole season pass, and it lasts like from now till the end of next year, I'm like, well, yeah, I got to do this, right? And so I just bought the, I bought the, the, the pass. And, and of course, uh, my kids were super excited. And then Jade and I, I was like talking to her. I was like, hey, this could be a really good deal. So I kind of I like surprises. Anybody like surprises? I, I love surprises. I like being surprised. So it, I like to surprise other, surprise other people. And I really broke my rule this year because I went to my kids and I said, listen, kids, this is not like me, but I've got a proposition. What if we buy all of you guys Six Flags passes for, for Christmas this year? So you already know your gifts, or you can get some Christmas gifts in return. And you know what they chose? Six Flags. Six Flags, they chose it. So our Christmas shopping was awesome this year. I was like, babe, look at your face. It's just like it's just so excited. You don't even have any thoughts. And she loves gives, giving gifts, but we didn't even have to be like, you know, it was, just, it, was, it was great. It was awesome, okay? So we were done. Boom. In November. For crying out loud, we were done. So we've now here's the deal. Because of that, this is our third time to Six Flags in two months. Now we hadn't hardly gone to Six Flags in our entire uh, married life with kids, and now all of a sudden we've gone three times in two months. Now last night was a little bit different experience than the first time we went to Six Flags with the kids. They were way more chill. They were way more relaxed, and they weren't rushing, rushing, rushing to get to the next ride because they're like, you know what? If we don't make it tonight, we'll come next time. We'll do it. We'll ride it again. And we'll, do, we'll get this ride in. We'll get this ride in. Now, what was interesting about that is I was listening to the kids. Is it wasn't just the fact that they knew they had these passes. But they had had the thrill. They'd experienced. They'd now ridden every ride in the park, practically, right? And so they're not like, ugh. And in fact, last night we were on the little train going through the park. 
and they're building a new ride. So now we've got reason to like make sure that we can come back in the future because they're building a new ride. And this is how theme parks work, right? We've got to keep adding new rides. And it's the world's tallest. And it's the fastest. And it's, it's zero gravity. And they have all the publicity for that. Because in the human heart, like we always need bigger and better. Right? This is how it works. We always need bigger and better. Now, let me just make a spiritual analogy here, okay? Because I'm a pastor, this is why, and I'm up here, so you can't keep me from doing that, okay? Here's a Jesus juke for you. This is what I mean when I see that in the human heart there's a condition that we have, and that is, is that we always want things to get better and better and better and better. And we always want things bigger and bigger and bigger. That's just kind of the human nature. So we kind of keep one-upping, one-upping, one-upping. And, and, and that's, that's part of the fact that we are hungry for, for more. We want more, right? We want more. It's part of, part of life. And Christmas is a season where we want more. And the gift better be better this year than it was last year, right? Okay, okay. Maybe that's a little too close to home. But we want bigger. We want better. We want more. And why is that? Because we get really bored easily. We get to where we're like, oh, yeah, been there, done that, got the T-shirt, right? We've, we, we kind of get to the place where things that are really cool, really significant when we first see them, they're not as cool anymore. They're not as big a deal anymore. They're not as aw- awesome anymore. And I would say that in the Christian life, as a guy who has been a Christian now uh, for, for a long, long time, a Christ follower, a Jesus follower, a child of God for a long time, one who has gone through 41 Christmases, I can say that, that we have, I see in myself, this tendency to not see Christmas as beautiful and as awesome as it really is. That there's a lack of, of awe and wonder in my heart. That I can come to Christmas at times and just be like, oh, it's Christmas. And I can get in a rut. And I can forget the beauty and the awesomeness of Christmas. Because I'm a human. And we have what I think is a condition called awe amnesia. You ever heard of that? It's where we forget things that are awesome. And we're not the first to have it. In fact, if you know the Bible, you will know that God, he had a people in the Old Testament. They were the Jewish people. They were the people of Israel. And what's interesting about the people of Israel is that the story of the Old Testament is God, once he chooses his people, he leads them out of slavery and he leads them into uh, the promised land. But the process of them getting there, they had to wander through the desert. And even as they were doing that, he was doing miraculous things. And you know what would happen? God would do something awesome. And within a short time, they would forget and they would start complaining and whining and moaning. They have the same condition we have. They forget God's goodness, how awesome he is, how great he is, how amazing he is. And they start to like, well, what about now? What did you do for me today, God? And in our hearts, many, many times, we can forget the beauty and the awesomeness and the wonder. And and I'm thankful that we can sing worship songs like we just sang because those songs, I don't know about you, but they stir in me. God made us as people to sing, and there's something about lyrics and something about melody and, and rhythm and music that helps sort of recapture some of my affection, recapture some of my awe to sort of lift my eyes up to see the bigger picture. There's something God uses in that. 
And hopefully as we read God's word, it does that. Hopefully as we pray, as we spend time with other believers, it does that for us. That's why going to church gatherings are important because we're with other people who, who believe in Christ and there's something that his spirit does among us that reminds us, like, look, what you see in this temporary realm, this is not all. But it also helps me with that awe amnesia. It kind of helps me get back into a right view of God and to see him for who, for who he is. He is awesome. He is awesome. He is mighty. He is powerful. He is, he is great. He is good. And as I was thinking about that, one of the things that really helps me is to remember, why did Jesus come anyway? Why did Jesus come? Why is this celebration of his birthday such a big deal? And I realize for many, many people, that's not what Christmas is. It's not a celebration of his birth. It's some gifts. It's family time. It's a great holiday. It's time off work. But for Christ followers, I mean, this is, this is a huge day. It's a huge day because... We celebrate knowing that not just did Christmas happen, but Easter happened, right? And we connect the dots, and we know that Jesus didn't come just as a little baby in a manger, but he grew up, and he lived a sinless life, and he went to a cross, and he paid a, a penalty, as it was already said earlier, and that he didn't stay dead, but he rose from the grave. And so when we celebrate Christ's life, I mean, we celebrate something that's awesome. It's amazing. But I want us to think about it personally tonight. Because in Luke chapter 19, it's a, maybe an unusual Christmas story, but in Luke chapter 19, in verse 10, Jesus says about himself on the heels of a story we're about to re- recount. He says, the Son of Man, that's himself, he's referring to himself, the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Jesus Christ came to seek and to save the lost. If you want to know why he was born in a manger 2,000 years ago, why he came on the scene, it's because he came to seek and to save the lost. My question to you tonight is, has this Jesus who came to seek and to save the lost, has he found you? Maybe he has, maybe he hasn't. But if he has, if he has, then one of the most important things that we can do this Christmas season is we can recount how he saved us. We can remember. We can reflect on that. See, the story that's there in Luke 19 is one that probably kids in the room could tell you that have been in church, have been around that, have heard stories, because it's about a little guy named Zacchaeus. And I don't mean that to be offensive to Zacchaeus, but it says it in the scripture that he was short, okay? He was not tall enough to see over the crowds of people. In fact, it says this. I want to read this passage of Scripture from Luke 19, 1 through 10. It says in verse 1, He entered Jericho, was passing through. This is Jesus. He was with his disciples. He was entered Jericho. He was passing through. There was a man named Zacchaeus, and he was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. That's good. He had position. He had power, prestige in some ways, even though he was probably hated by his own people for being a tax collector. But he had a lot of money. Two things that a lot of people in the United States want, right? Power, money. He had them. But notice, Zacchaeus was not okay. We know he was not because verse 3 says he was trying to see who Jesus was. But he was not able to because of the crowd since he was a short man. See, I told you. Nothing wrong with being short, by the way. Just making sure you all understand that. So running ahead... He climbed up a tree, a sycamore tree to be exact, to see Jesus, since he was about to pass that way. 
And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and he said, Zacchaeus, hurry down because I must stay at your house today. I must stay at your house today. So what does Zacchaeus do? He quickly came down and he welcomed him joyfully. And all who saw it began to complain. He'd gone to lodge with a sinful man. Now, one, that makes me really sad. And two, that makes me really glad. One, it makes me sad because we're like, why would Jesus be hanging out with sinners? But it makes me really glad because Jesus hangs out with sinners. You understand what I'm saying? He says, I'm going to go hang out with you. And he did. He said, and people were getting up uh, uh, mad about that. But what does Zacchaeus do? Zacchaeus, he stood there and he said to the Lord, look, I'll give you half of my possessions to the poor. Lord, if I have extorted anyone, anything from anyone, I'll pay back four times as much. You know what that is right there? It's repentance and worship. Repentance and worship. Today salvation has come to this house, Jesus told him, because he too is a son of Abraham. For the son of man has come to seek and to save the lost. You want to know why Jesus came on planet Earth? He says it right there in his own words. He came to seek and to save the lost. To seek and to save the lost. Let me start with the piece about lost. In this story, Zacchaeus was a tax collector and he had a lot of money. But you know what? Zacchaeus was lost. Just because you have a lot of money and you have a lot of power doesn't mean you're saved or found. We have it all together, right? He was lost. He was lost spiritually. He didn't know what his real purpose was. He didn't know the God who made him personally. Zacchaeus was lost. He was doing his thing. He was going through his life. He was just following the pattern, the way, making money, doing what he thought would give him life. And yet, he didn't have it. And I would say that there are many people in our culture, they have a lot of stuff, but they're lost. They're lost. They don't know spiritually what's, which end is up. They don't know where they're going. They don't know where they're headed. They don't know what's going to happen when they die. They don't know who this God is that made them. They don't have any transcendent purpose. It's all here and now. And they're lost. Not only that, but the Bible would say that people that are lost spiritually, people that are lost spiritually and and Landon read a little bit of this earlier from Ephesians. It literally says that we're dead. We're dead in our sin. Like, we don't even know how to pursue good things in our sin. All we know to do is to, 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 to pursue what makes us happy, to just be selfish. And what's crazy is the more we pursue it, the less happy we are. It's like grasping at the air. Because we're lost and we need to be found. But praise God, he didn't leave us dead and he didn't leave us lost. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. Now, I don't know how how many of you guys know your Bible well, but just four chapters before this, Luke chapter 15. In fact, I encourage you this Christmas season, go read Luke chapter 15. And when you read Luke chapter 15, I want you to, to think about this. Think about what Jesus is saying in these parables. There's three parables there, and he's talking about God's heart for people. He's talking about God's heart, the Father's heart for people. And he gives three illustrations. One is a lost coin, 
okay? One is a lost son and one is a lost sheep. The one that a lot of us probably know maybe is, is, is the one about the lost son. But what's amazing in each of those stories, the lost coin is that this woman, she loses one of her coins and she is sweeping her ho- whole house. She is cleaning her house from top to bottom to try to find that coin that she lost. And when she finally finds it, she throws a party. When you want to know what it looks like for God to seek after the lost, looks like that woman trying to find that coin, turning that house inside up and inside uh, out and upside down, right? Trying to find that lost coin. Then we find the story of the lost sheep, and it says that the shepherd had 100 sheep, and one of them gets lost. And what does the shepherd do? He leaves the 99. He goes after the one lost sheep that's out in the middle of nowhere, probably going to be taken out by some wild animals, right, or something. And he goes, and he leaves the 99. He goes after the one. He takes the one. He throws it over his shoulder, and he carries it back home. And when he gets back, he rejoices and celebrates that. And not only that, but we hear about a lost son. And this is maybe the one that we resonate with the most because this lost son, he basically has a wealthy dad, and he says, Dad, I want you dead, so I want my inheritance now. Give me my inheritance. His dad graciously, we don't even know what he gives him the inheritance. The guy goes and he uses all of it on trying to pursue happiness in the world. Because he goes off, he finds women, he finds uh, stuff that he, he wants to, to, to party, to celebrate with his friends. And then guess what happens? He uses all the money on all that, and he's still not happy. In fact, he runs out of money, and he finds himself working on a pig farm, and he's in pig's life. And he comes to his senses, and he says, my, ser- my dad's servants live better than this. I'm going to go back and just be a servant. And you know what it says in the story? It says that the dad sees the sun returning from way off on the horizon, that he hikes up his robe, tucks it in his belt, and he takes off running to his son, who has said, I want you dead and give me all your money. He embraces him, kisses him, puts a ring on him, and throws him a party and says, my son that was lost came home. What a story. That's our God. See, so many people, their picture of God has been robbed. They think God's this cosmic killjoy. They think God is up there just waiting to backhand them if they screw up. Or that he doesn't care about them all, doesn't even know them, doesn't even know anything about their life, doesn't care about if they're okay, doesn't know that. Listen, our God is a God who seeks to save the lost. And he's seeking people in Austin, Texas tonight. He is seeking after people who are doing their thing, but they have no peace in here. And he's saying, I want to bring peace to your house tonight. How did he save us? Well, we know, but I want you to hear it anyway. Because we've already said it several times tonight. The price to save humanity is Jesus Christ's life. He took on himself our sin. In fact, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21 says it this way. God made him, that's Jesus, who knew no sin, who never sinned, to become sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God in Christ. What an incredible thought tonight. You know why Christmas is a big deal? You know why Christmas ought to be celebrated and we ought to give gifts and eat great food and laugh a lot and have a lot of fun together? Because we have a God who seeks and saves the lost. He seeks them. He does. Tonight,
we're going to continue to celebrate that. And we're going to continue to celebrate the sacrifice. And I want you to know that not one of us in here can be saved by doing enough good stuff to get God to love us, to forgive us, to, to seek after us. He seeks and he saves out of his own goodness and grace. I, I hope you know this. Religious people, religious people don't get, go to heaven because they're religious. People who are saved by the one who came to seek and to save the lost. People who understand their need for grace. People who understand they're lost. And for some of us in this room, you've experienced that transaction. You've experienced that transition. You've experienced that transformation. Some of you in this room, you've experienced what it was like to go from death to life. And like Zacchaeus, you remember the day that he showed up in your town. He showed up at your doorstep. He showed up at your tree. And you remember the moment you met Jesus. And tonight I'm asking you to remember and to reflect. And this Christmas, celebrate that. That's what we're celebrating. Celebrate the moment that Jesus saved a wretch like me. Man, I'm so glad he saved sinners like me. Don't deserve it. But I praise him and I thank him for it. No one is too far gone from our God. No one is too far from his hand. His invitation is wide open. If you, know, if you don't know him tonight, if you don't know his love and his grace, receive the greatest gift you could receive tonight. Receive the gift of eternal life and salvation in him. If you do know it, like let's rejoice in it. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room, right? For heaven and earth receive. Let us celebrate our good God. And here's how we're going to do as we, we wrap up our time together. Um, two things that we're going to get to do together that are memorable and, and reflective. One is we're going to take communion together first. We're going to invite you to come as a family. And so if you are here as a single, an individual, we want to invite you to join up with another. If you see somebody around you who's not with anyone else, would you pull them in? And we're going to ask, we have three stations set here at the front, and our elders and some of the, the wives will be here at the front to, to serve communion for you guys tonight. And here's how it's going to work. For some of you, this is not new, so you understand, but we're going to have someone hand you a piece of bread, which represents Christ's body broken for us. His body that was broken on the cross for our sins. And we're going to pass that around to you and ask you to hold that. And then we're going to pass a cup, and we're going to remind you that it is Christ's blood shed for us. In Hebrews, it says there is no forgiveness of sins without the shedding of blood. Jesus' blood was shed so that we could be forgiven. And so we're going to pass that around and let you dip the, the bread into the cup. And then we're going to take that, and we're going to remember. And then we want to just take a an opportunity just to pray over you as a family, Okay. And when, once everybody's had a chance to go through communion, we're going to do some candle lighting and sing a couple of songs, and we'll be done, all right? But what we want to do is start at the front, and if you're in these different areas, if you will, basically work your way down to one of these tables. And once everybody's gone through, then we will transition to our candle lighting, and we'll give you instructions then. But I'm going to just pray for us, even as we enter this time. And just know that communion... It is for us as believers to remember and to celebrate God's goodness and his grace, okay? And so we would ask that if you're not a believer, that you just pass. 
But if you're a believer, you, you take and you remember and you celebrate God's goodness, okay? What a gift we've been given in Christ. Let me pray. Father, thank you so much for every person in this room tonight who you made, who you put together molecule by molecule, atom by atom, piece by piece of DNA, piece that you knit together, as it says in Psalm 139, that you love and know every intricate detail of their life and my life. Thank you that they're here. Thank you that we have the opportunity to worship you tonight. Thank you that we have the opportunity to reflect and remember Jesus, that you are a God who comes and shows up in our mess. You show up in our circumstances, and you offer grace and forgiveness and love, and you offer freedom through your truth. And I pray tonight as we take this communion together that we would just remember, remember your grace, remember your goodness in your broken body and your shed blood. I pray that all across this room, that tonight would be a moment for us to recenter our hearts back on the true meaning of Christmas and the true joy that comes when we know that we have a God who seeks and saves the lost. We love you. Pray it's in your name, Jesus.